We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Pacer Nation, welcome back to your go-to Pacers podcast, setting the pace of the Pacers four-game losing streak has come to an end. The streak is over as they take down the Charlotte Hornets 144-113, to and the man to talk with me about this victory is the one and only Michael J. Focci, the wizard of pop culture himself. Focci, how's it going? Man, that is, uh, you're, you're really throwing out all the zingers over there, the wizard of pop culture. Interesting, but um, no, that, that goes back to I'm our happy. last episode. Look, it, it, it does. He threw in like a little wizard over there, you know, you, you know, all, all the classics. But <laughs> anyway, yeah, I am. I am no Mr. Pop culture, but these Pacers are no longer losers. The winning streak is over a much needed win against the Charlotte Hornets. But what I love most is how the Pacers got the win. It just looked from start to finish. They handled business. And of course, you got some people on Twitter. It's the Hornets. You guys got to remember, we lost to the Hornets. I don't care who was out there, LaMelo Ball or no LaMelo Ball. You wanted to see something convincing. That's what I saw tonight. Yeah, I mean, and it kind of makes you feel like, why do they let this one get away from them earlier in the season against the Hornets, right? When they lost by one point. I mean, yeah, LaMelo Ball is good, but I don't think he's 30-some point different, you know, good no. in terms of how they're playing. And Miles Bridges didn't play in the first game either. So I have to put that mm-hmm. into consideration. But Tyrese Halliburton. Previous game was a minus 37. In this game, Fachi, he is a plus 32. You could feel a, a different sense of urgency from this team. It, it definitely felt like that practice they had on Tuesday kind of kicked them in the right direction. And I think, you know, Buddy Hield said it after practice on Tuesday. You know, he even mentioned sleeping in their own beds. And I was just glad to hear it. I was glad that somebody said it. So I'm not over here on sleeping in your own bed island. Nah, I'm sure you ate that up, and uh, look, I think it was true, because I think this Pacers team 
whatever it is, if they, they they did look a little bit refreshed. They absolutely did. But I also think that they wanted to take this game seriously and stop overlooking teams like the Charlotte Hornets because I believe this Pacers team was tired of losing. I think Buddy Heald is, is a, per, a perfect player to start with. Buddy was probably tired of being a slump. Last couple games, I think the last five games or so, he was averaging, you know, I think like eight points on, on like 40% shooting. I mean, it had not been good for Buddy. Some of his recent scoring totals, 14, 0, 11, 7. It was not pretty. Buddy, four points in the first half, 19 in the third. I mean, he hit his first couple threes to start the third quarter, and it just felt like, uh-oh. He's hot right now, and he really had everything going. I think that Buddy was the player that if you're really looking to break out of a slump, you saw it tonight, and I feel encouraged moving forward. The Pacers need a Buddy Hill to break out of this slump. He's really pivotal to what their offense is trying to do, and if he's not able to hit shots and make shots, it kind of feels like, what is he doing out there? I was mm-hmm. kind of surprised Rick Carlisle said this in the post-game press conference that Buddy Hill has been one of their better defenders. During this Ooh, losing streak, yeah. and that that's probably why he wasn't right there. pulled from the from the starting lineup. But yeah, I mean, I I, I might not agree with Carlisle, but hey, he is the coach, so I'm not going to yes. push back too much on this one. But but come on, I mean, really, Buddy Hill, one of the better defenders. I think that says more about the team and where their defense was in the game than maybe how good of a defender Buddy Hill is. But regardless, great to see him get back on track because we kind of saw him do it a little bit against Detroit but it didn't really stick the rest of that road trip. And I'm kind of hoping that that's not the same thing here. Can he string together four to five games now, Fachi, where he shoots at a higher clip than he had been during the losing streak? Because he's been underwhelming, I would say, so far this season. He's been very streaky, and he's not really been that consistent three-point shooter we saw last year where he shot 42% for the year. So I'm I'm hoping that Buddy can kind of break out of his funk and be a little bit more consistent, especially the rest of this month as we really have to close in here. Um, the Pacers have to close in here and really get some victories to kind of make themselves feel like they can be a part of that playoff run. That's the thing. Buddy hit like four three-pointers in the third quarter, and I started looking at the score, and I started being like, maybe we should save a couple of those for next game. Like, Because <laughs> Buddy's been so hot and cold, I didn't want him to just – use up all of his threes and then come out you know, next game a little bit flat against Memphis. But uh, another player that really set the tone early and that had been struggling was Miles Turner. Mm-hmm. Turner had 18 points at the half. Ironically, he finished with 18, but they really didn't need him in that second half. He really had it going early on. I believe he had about 11 points in the first quarter. Just looked like he was being aggressive, getting to the line, hitting shots. I feel that Turner was probably the player that had it the the roughest the last week or so. I felt that that had really been a lot of the chatter amongst the fan base of like, you know, what's happening with Miles? He's not showing up. He's you know missed the, one of the recent games. I felt like Turner put his best foot forward early on and set the tone for Indiana where they never really had to look back at any point. It, it's always best when the leader of your team, one of the leaders of your team, and, and the guy that's been here the longest nine years, when he sees a losing streak like this team's been on, is able to come out there and just put his foot down and, and put this team where they needed to be at in this game, right? Great first half for Miles Turner, and it's no coincidence that it's on Star Wars night as he walked into the Classic. arena as Han Solo. 
you know, he's done a great job uh, of always rocking Star Wars costumes, and I know he's a big Star Wars fan. So, you know, it's great to see. And as cringe as this might sound, Fachi, I definitely think the Force was with him in that first half. That's a good one. That If you're going to use it, you got to use it right then and there. So I want to give you credit for that one. And, yeah, he addressed as Darth Vader in the past, and you, you kind of know Miles had this one circled on his calendar. It had nothing to do with the Charlotte Hornets. With it being Star Wars night, he had to give a little something extra, and I think that is exactly what he did. So I thought that Turner, Buddy Heald, awesome to see those type of performances early on, but someone that might not have jumped off the, the stat sheet, but he's back, Jalen Smith. Love to see Jalen back in the lineup for the Pacers. He had 10 points on 4-4 shooting. Only played about 8 minutes all in the first half. I thought it was great that the Pacers didn't need him to play in the second half so you can keep him fresh. But I just felt that right when Jalen got out there, he had a tipping. He got a couple rebounds. He hit one of those classic threes that I love so much. And I just felt like it was like, yes, Jalen Smith's back. We're starting to get a little bit healthier. This is a Pacers team that was just missing Jalen Smith and Miles Turner. It was really thin at the big spot. I, I felt like this was great to just see Jalen back but not have to do too much. Did he re-injure that, that leg or that, that heel? Nope. It, for, from everything I saw, it just seemed that they took it easy on him. So I, I did not hear anything in specific. Uh, you know, Maybe I don't know if anything happened, but from my standpoint, it looked like they were just playing it safe with Jalen Smith in the second half. Yeah, I was listening to the radio for the majority of this game, and so they were talking about how they didn't think that he had re-injured it. There was, at some point they said he went back to the locker room after he came out early in the game, but when Isaiah Jackson checked in, Mark Boyle misspoke and actually said Jalen Smith was coming back into the game and then realized it was Isaiah. And you know what? I, I think it's kind of smart not to play Jalen in minutes that he doesn't need to play Agreed. if he's trying to come back from this injury because that was a pretty nasty uh, injury, and I thought it could have been a lot worse. It almost looked like he I thought it could have been Achilles. Yeah, or Achilles. Yeah, I, yeah. I was just nervous. Mm -hmm. It looked like it could be a bad one, but you know, still Isaiah Jackson gets in there, and he's still impactful. Uh, I I feel like this is a Pacers team that is hot or cold, and when they're shooting the ball like this, Vachi, there's no way anybody's going to be able to beat them. And this is kind of like the the output that we've wanted to see for a while. I think. 46% from three, 61% from the field. That is kind of like insane shooting numbers that we have not seen from this team over the last handful of games. So for them to kind of break out of a slump as a team, not just a Buddy Hill, but everybody kind of just break out of that slump as a team, I think that was huge. And if they could play the Charlotte Hornets every night, this team might be 82-0 and at the end of the season. Hey, if only. And you know what? Maybe 81-1 because they already got one off of us. Yeah, but true. Here's what I would say. This – this, what we saw tonight looked like the Pacers in the beginning of the year. When mm -hmm. it's like, oh, man, they can put up 140-plus points any night, you know, it's scorching hot for the field. It had not been like that lately from three, but it was awesome to see. And one major shout-out I want to give, not just to one player, but it's the bench. Mm -hmm. The bench tonight was as advertised earlier in the year. At halftime, they had 32 points on 12 of 13 shooting. And then overall for the game, they scored 70 points on 25 of 33 shooting or 76%. Mm -hmm. 
the bench had it going on a night where it really did feel like every pacer had it going, but the bench was even more efficient than the starting lineup. It just felt like a collective effort where every player for the most, there was one player where you went, oh man, I don't know, that guy had some awkward minutes. So I, I just felt like you couldn't have asked for a better performance at home against a team that you should handle business against. No, they definitely took care of business. And I think you could tell this was a team desperate to, to get a win. But, yes, you know, the bench, like you said, they were just led by Aaron Eastsmith, 6-6 six six from the field, 23 points, uh, excuse me, 19 points in 23 minutes. He he was just efficient like none other. And one of the things that I loved about this game was Fachi. You saw a different level of intensity on the defensive end of, in the, on the defensive end of things. Pacers only allowed the Hornets to score over 30 points in one quarter, and that was 31 in the second. So being able to hold the Hornets under 30 points, which is a goal of theirs defensively, is really key. They held them to just 26 in the third and 27 in the fourth. So that, to me, was, was a huge win for the Pacers right there, just being able to outscore that uh, by the Hornets by 21 points. Uh, I believe, no, 20 points, excuse me, in the second in the second half. So I was impressed. I think that we're starting to see when this team comes together how special it can be, but we have yet to see them be consistent. That's kind of like we've talked about the last couple of games. You know, they've just been consistently inconsistent, and we've been waiting for them to kind of break out of that. And they got their hand full, their hands full on Thursday because it is John Morant's first game in Memphis after coming back from a 25-game suspension, and he just had a monster game on TNT against the Memphis, or excuse me, the, the New Orleans Pelicans. So the Pacers are going to have their hands full, but I think if the Pacers want to prove that they are a good playoff team, that they don't just allow this win to kind of satisfy that four-game losing streak and they go out in Memphis and spoil Jaws' debut. That would be great. I think, think that this win against Charlotte is a, a good confidence booster. So I think that this is one that you wanted to have before you go in and you play Memphis that now they're going to have a confidence boost to themselves. I mean, they get their guy back, and Ja looked real good in the first game. He did. It, it's going to be tough for the Pacers. But tonight, across the board, against Charlotte, they did contest, I think, on defense. I know 113 points. I mean, look, if the Pacers could give up 113 any night, you would sign up for that every night. Only gave up eight three-pointers to Charlotte. And the Pacers had eight blocks tonight. So I felt like there was a lot that they did well. Overall, I would give this performance, I guess, like an A-plus because what could you really complain about? But yeah. you want to be able to build on it. You can't look at Memphis as their record and say, ah, we got that. Because their real record should be 1-0 with John Morant because that's the real thing. That's their franchise guy, not whatever the record is that they, that they had before, because for most of the season, uh, Memphis had been one of the worst teams in the league. So I think you can't go in thinking this is a gimme. That's going to be a tough game. But tonight was everything the doctor, you know, recommended. You know, you took the, the, the medicine, a.k.a. beaten down on Charlotte, and I really want to get back on track. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I don't want to get too far ahead because we are recapping this game. Uh, but I want to touch on Tyrese Halliburton, Fachi, because 19 points. Yep. Uh, 13 assists, like I talked about at the beginning, you know, he was a plus 32 in this game. Four turnovers, one block, one steal, four of four from the free throw line, only three of or just three of nine from three, though. So not shooting the ball particularly well. Six of 14 from the field wasn't a great efficiency night for Tyrese in terms of scoring, but he still found ways to be effective. 
And, you know, as he continues to get more defensive pressure and teams start zoning in and eyeing in on him, he's just going to have to learn how to adapt. But what was your overall thoughts on Tyrese Halliburton's game tonight? Looked much better than, than last game. I mean, his performance against the Clippers almost looked like he shouldn't have been out there overall. It was just not the Tyrese that you were used to seeing. And I know he wasn't extremely efficient. It was 6 of 14. I mean, we'd seen him, you know, have plenty of more efficient games. But tonight was just an overall better performance from Tyrese. Nowhere near his best performance, but no one would complain about this performance. I think he looked far, far more himself to the point where it was like, okay, good. There's no lingering issues with Tyrese. I think that you didn't have to play him, you know, 30-plus minutes. Played about 28. I think it was, uh, it was actually about, yeah. It was, it was about 28 minutes tonight. Yeah. You could live with that. So don't overdo it. Probably honestly could have played less minutes because the Pacers were never really in danger. But I, I think it was a good performance for him to be able to shake off some rust. Yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, obviously that game against the Clippers, he was not himself. And so for him to bounce back and just be effective. And, you know, Miles had it going early, but he got it going in the third. He didn't really have to have that type of – type of game where he had to take over, but he still hit some timely baskets there to kind of just keep, keep things afloat and keep things going offensively because sometimes you can get in the flow and that team makes a little bit of a run and it can kind of get, you know, like out of hand. And then you kind of find yourself backpedaling, trying to keep a lead instead of playing basketball, just to play it the right way. You're, you're, you're trying to keep them from coming back instead of just playing your game. So Tyrese had some really timely buckets there. And I, and I know we saw some highlight dunks from Obi Toppin tonight in this game as well. You know, it those did. dunks feel like bigger than two points just because of how energetic they they uh, get, you know, they make the fan base so much more energetic. But, you know, Obi Toppin to me obviously had a good plus minus, but just six points, four rebounds tonight. Fachi only played a total of 23 minutes. Much to think of from Obi Toppin's game tonight. The one thing I want to go back to your point about momentum is Tyrese had a beautiful alley to Obi Toppin right before the half. Mm-hmm. He, I think he... He dunked it with like 0.8 of a second left. So basically a buzzer beater. And I feel like that was great momentum going into halftime. So, yeah, I thought that was definitely true. But Obi, I think it was a classic of sometimes where the plus minus could be an overrated stat was he was plus 25 because the starting lineup was fantastic tonight. I mean, most starters were, were great, but I didn't feel that Obi had his, you know, his imprint on this game. I didn't think he did anything like bad but two of five from the field i mean oh of three from three you know he had four rebounds six points nothing to really write home about was probably out of all the pacers actually the six points is tied for the second fewest only james johnson had less but i i think that overall it was one of those where he he played the fewest minutes out of the group nothing impressed us other than that alley-oop dunk prior to halftime kind of the obi topping experience so far um you know, but you talk about James Johnson, he got a nice little fadeaway shot like there it. at the end of the the, uh, the game to kind of get the bench going up. And I think he, you know, Matherin, let's talk about Matherin a little bit because I really enjoyed seeing Matherin make a beautiful behind-the-back pass to Isaiah Jackson in the paint. Isaiah wasn't able to finish it, but then Matherin came back down the very next possession and did another behind-the-back pass. And I'm like, okay, okay, Matherin, you know, just just out there balling, just out there trying to show off that passing skill that he was asked to work on. And, um, you know, Matherin, I think he's been playing a lot better since being put on the bench. I know people don't love it, but maybe it is giving him motivation to get that starting spot back. I'm not sure exactly what his motive is and what's causing him to play better, 
off the bench, but I think he's done a solid job and it's not affecting him to me anyway. I haven't really seen it affect him negatively by being put on the bench. He's not moping. He's not pouting. He's working hard. And I think it's, it's paid off pretty well. I think he is. And I think that we're starting to see, you know, some, some good performance. And obviously last game against the Clippers, it was a career high. It was 34 points on 12, 20 shooting tonight, five of seven. I thought from three point land, the last two games, He's been pretty efficient. He's been 7 of 13 from 3. Think about that. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that has struggled. But overall, I mean, I, I like Matherin's performance. I don't think he had to do too much. He only got 7 shots, but he made him count. So it's not like you're going to see a performance like uh, against the Clippers where he had 20 shots. I thought he took what, the, what, the, what was available for him and made it count. And that's that's one of the big things we've seen with Matherin is just that shot selection has gotten a lot better. Um, sometimes he might take a shot outside of the offensive flow and, and be a little bit selfish, but we're seeing Matherin kind of be more deliberate with what he's trying to do exactly and not trying to get too carried away with it. But, you know, you could really say great things about almost everybody that played in this game. Everybody kind of brought their A game. It was one of those ones the Pacers really needed to get get a hold of because – they, they couldn't afford to lose this game specifically without LaMelo Ball and somebody else we didn't bring up, Mark Williams, not playing in this game. I think if Mark Williams plays in this game, it is a little bit different just because I do know he dominated the Pacers last time they played. So, Miles Turner got a break by not having to go up against Mark Williams. I think we have to note that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. No, we really do. And here's the thing. This Hornets team, they're bad. 
but they're awful without LaMelo Ball and Mark Williams. So if there was any type of situation where this was even a close game or we dropped this game, there would be major problems. And there was a moment earlier on, you know, specifically after the first quarter where I was like, why can't we just like blow a team out? Like, why does every game have to be close? Why do we have to let teams hang around? And I'm happy that the Pacers did not let Charlotte hang around. The most points that Indiana ever trailed by in this game was two. And it happened very, very early on. So it was never really a game outside of the first quarter. And that was really, really important to see. So uh, I just loved, uh, you know, just about everybody's performance. But going back to Isaiah Jackson real quick, Isaiah did not see any playing time in the first half. And I thought, wow, is this how it's going to be with Jalen Smith back? Because Isaiah Jackson been playing some really good basketball. Then on the flip side, Jalen Smith doesn't play any, any minutes in the second half. Isaiah plays all of his minutes there. He still gets the 10 points. He was a plus nine. Very curious to see how this shakes out when all three centers are trying to get minutes. Is there going to be an odd man out? Do they try and balance it like this? This was not the best sample size to see given that they alternated halves. But, you know, I'm keeping an eye on that. Yeah, I mean, I think that obviously you can kind of see where everything is still lining up. Jalen Smith is still the preferred backup. And yep. he went out there and played lights out after returning. I mean, two weeks away, what was it, two, three weeks since he's played last, and he was still able to go yep. out there and just be that effective offensively. That tells you the kind of work he has put in to recover from that injury. But then Isaiah Jackson, you know, staying ready, not moping, because if I was a guy that just started two games ago, right, or the previous game, I would feel like, okay, I should be getting my, you know, opportunity here as the backup. And then all of a sudden, you know, he goes back to third string, but he comes in and he plays hard and he, had some really nice moments there defensively, blocking some shots. I know he had a great stuff at the rim, and he also mm-hmm. had a nice putback dunk off of an offensive rebound. Uh, missed the play in the post, like we talked about with, with Matherin's behind-the-back pass. But, like, you're just starting to see, like, Isaiah Jackson get a better feel for the game. And I think right now it, he's still going to end up being the third-string center just because I feel like Rick trusts yeah. Jalen Smith a little bit more. I think Jalen's probably a better rebounder and an outside shooter, which we saw Jackson actually take a three tonight, which was surprising. And I think Carlisle even might have got a little frustrated that Jackson didn't take that one three in the corner against the Clippers when Quinn Buckner brought it up and was talking about how, you know, if Miles is in there, Miles takes that shot. And that's when you got to know your personnel. And, you know, Isaiah's got to take that shot. I'm like, well, does he really need to? Because that's not his game. But uh, overall, though, I will just say I think right now, it's probably just going to be like, okay, if, if Jalen starts off slow and doesn't have it, then they're going to pull that trigger quick and just go to Isaiah uh, go to Isaiah, just because they know they have capable players that can play that backup center position. And if someone's not feeling it right away that night, no reason to drag it out, give the other guy the opportunity if they feel like they're more deserving. And this is what we've said before was the Pacers' strength, their depth. If someone doesn't have it, you could pivot to someone else. But for the last, you know, couple of weeks, the Pacers really didn't have that. So I'm happy that you got your three bigs back. Jalen Smith looked encouraging enough to be like, okay, cool, we're in good hands now. But I also wish that this G League winner showcase, it's going on at a bad time. This is just not the right time for the showcase because the Pacers emptied, you know, the starters with about eight and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter. I felt they probably could have done it even earlier. 
This would have been great playing time for Jarris Walker and Ben Shepard. And I, I think that both guys could have gotten some really good playing time against the Clippers. So yeah. the last two games were kind of like wasted opportunities of like, oh, man, that's two less games that they're going to be able to get in this year and get some playing time. And I felt that tonight would have been a great opportunity, honestly, for both of those guys, Shepard and Jarris Walker, to pretty much play the whole fourth quarter. Did you get a chance to see what Carlisle said about all that? About what? About the guys in the G League. No, not in specific. Okay, so he did talk before the game, and I think Dustin Dopier, I'm going to try to find that on Dustin's Twitter, but he was sharing some quotes about it, and I thought it was worth sharing just because there's a lot of people that were frustrated, and I understood, like, what are we doing? Why are we sitting him down here? That kind of thing. But um, I, I want to find this because I feel like it's very important to kind of share some insight on what's going on. So uh, here we go. He said, Carlisle said he wants Walker to be a more disciplined defender than his instincts want him to be. Ask him to be more specific. Uh, he said, limit the willy-nilly gambles, which we've seen from him throughout time, right? Uh, so part of this was, he said, Carlisle on Walker with the Mad Ants. Jairus is doing great. We had a very strategic, methodical plan with him for G League games. When Miles missed the other night, there was a school of thought of trying to get him back. Um, Carlisle said he shot that down because he felt like they had made a plan and needed to commit to his development. Carlisle said uh, that Shepard had strep throat yesterday, which is why he did not play in the Winter Classic. So I thought that was some good context just to kind of give you a perspective of why he wasn't playing and they are kind of on this developmental plan and, you know, uh, like I said, uh, he's a rookie. And, and, and Carlisle still at this point is going to trust OB and Neesmith more to play the four than he is with Jairus. He clearly stated right there uh, the willy-nilly gambles. Kalen Cooper has posted multiple different little clips of where he's kind of broken out of the scheme and gone for those gambles. So it's it's okay that he's not playing. But at the same time, I understand your point of view. And I, and I actually think that you – are echoing a lot of the sentiments the same that the fan base has because I've had conversations with people in text messages and Twitter threads and, and stuff like that where it's just like people want to see Jairus. People are excited about Jairus, and everyone's going to say, oh, well, he can't guard this guy. He can't guard that guy. Well, I guarantee you before anybody watched him play Minnesota, nobody would have thought, oh, he, can, he can't guard Gobert. He can't guard Towns. He can't guard Najreed when he actually wasn't terrible in that game. And so I think that maybe the per the per the perception of you know Jairus is a little off just because we haven't seen a large enough sample size but at the same time Fachi, you have to realize like until he fails and proves like oh he can't guard a Kawhi Leonard or he can't guard a Paul George it would have been a much better effort than watching some of the defense we saw against those guys in that game too so I totally understand what you're saying they just need on court experience and if they feel like getting him reps in the G League as more of the guy is the route to go, then kudos to him. But this would have been good to see them just kind of break into that rotation in a game like this. Couple things. One, I feel like it's hilarious hearing anyone use the term willy-nilly. I mean, that just sounds like <laughs> such an old-school term. You might as well have called him a young whippersnapper, you know, because it just feels like that's in the same category. Second, I feel like this is the opportunity to fail. Who cares if Jarris Walker fails a little bit on a defensive, you know, situation against the Charlotte Hornets? Because they could be a good learning experience. Now I get it; he doesn't want him to venture out of, of their scheme, what they have planned. But I felt like this is the situation when you're up like thirty 
You don't have much to lose. You're getting a great experience compared to meaningful minutes where now he's under the microscope of, hey, if you mess up on this position, you know, everyone's going to remember it and, oh, we got to yank him out. But I get it. I understand both sentiments. It's just like this G League Classic just happened to come at a time where the Pacers were, you know, thin at at some of the bigs, you know, with some of the bigs and, you know, Jalen Smith and Turner out. And then also blowing out the Charlotte Hornets. You could have never really known that when this tournament was planned. It just worked out that way. But I, I do like some of the highlights that I, I mean, I, I didn't get to watch the actual G League game, but seeing the highlights of Jarris Walker, I mean, he's had multiple 30 point games in the G League and definitely shows that the talent is there. It's not like he's struggling by any means. It's just, yeah, selfishly, we want it all. We want to win. In by 30, and we want to see our eighth overall pick out there, you know, thriving, learning, everything like that. But that's really the only thing fans could have complained about tonight when you beat Charlotte by that many points. If that's the only thing, hey, it's a pretty good night. Pretty good night. Pacers go to 6-0 and in their City Edition uniforms. So undefeated, never lost, like my man LeVar Ball always says for yep. me whenever I ask him. You know, he's right on command, man. I just, I just ask LeVar the question, and he gives me the answer. So uh, no doubt about that. But I, I just – I love the spirit this team played with tonight. I love the fight that they had. And I call this a must-win game. It felt like you a must-win game. And like I mentioned, with no LaMelo, with no uh, – who's their big guy again that I'm just Mark mentioned? Williams. Mark Williams. I was thinking Nick Richards. I'm like, no, he played in that game, and I couldn't think of it. <laughs> uh, Mark Williams – yeah, having those two guys out definitely made it even more of a must-win. You cannot lose to a Hornets team without yeah. two of their best players, arguably their two best players. So, you know, the Pacers catch a break against the Hornets, able not to have – they don't have to play their guys like 40 minutes to try to pull out this victory, and it wasn't really that close, so they really didn't have to exert a ton of energy that they probably would have had it been a closer game and all that kind of stuff. So – Get some rest. It's not a far trip to Memphis. It's a pretty short trip. Get there. Take care of business. I really want to see this Pacers team put the league back on notice that, hey, we're not pretenders. We just had a rough stretch after the in-season tournament. The Lakers, I believe, they went 1-4 and four after their uh, championship did. In, the, in Vegas. And both teams, unfortunately, had to go on the road after having a road trip in Vegas. And I know Brian Winhorst mentioned that on the Hoop Collective podcast. Just saying, like, maybe the league should do a better job of not scheduling road trips after the in-season tournament is scheduled, which I think something that will be adjusted because it just seems ridiculously unfair to have two teams that work their butts off to get to the championship be rewarded with a two-week road trip. So hopefully the league does a better job at that. But Memphis, they have to win that game and then come home on Saturday versus Orlando, get some revenge there. They've got to take care of business and really put the league back on Notice that, hey, we had a rough stretch, but we're, we're a serious playoff team. No, I mean, you mentioned the other night a must-win, and I started thinking about it, and I was like, yeah, must-win, yeah. And then I woke up today, I was like, this is a must-win against <laughs> Charlotte. Like, it really felt that way. Like, I was in the kitchen, you know, we were doing the dishes, stay after dinner, I was telling my wife, I was like, babe, this is a must-win against Charlotte. She's like, I really don't care. And I'm like, look, it, it is, you know. I had to get that point across because there was no one else to tell, but – we handled business. I was happy about that. But if we had lost this game, there would be so much pressure on this Pacers team going into Memphis, 
then playing Orlando, a team that absolutely, I mean, just pounded you into the ground last time. So I do feel like you don't want to say the pressure's off, but they can breathe a little bit and have the confidence. And I think the difference is you got a guy like Buddy who's now not going to put so much pressure on himself. You got a guy like Miles now that snapped out of a little bit of a funk. And I think that emotional high that was coming down so much after that end season tournament could start to die down a little bit. So Memphis is going to give you everything they got and more. They're going to be thinking that their confidence is is through the roof with John Morant, and I, and I understand that. It's, it's a good Memphis team that their record is not reflective of, but I also feel that this is a Pacers team that could still give them some problems. I'm really excited for this one, and uh, you know it's it's a quick turnaround for the Pacers, and sometimes I think that kind of works in their favor to not have too much time off because we've seen them kind of not respond the way you want them to. Yeah, you're right about that, Fachi. So I'll be interested to see what happens. You know, obviously playing three games in four nights is never a tell, never a, an easy task. And then talking about four games in six nights with another game against Orlando just a few days later, they've they've had a busy schedule. It's been very heavy. We've been doing a lot of post game recaps, and it feels like every time we try to schedule something, we can't schedule any other podcast because we've got to talk about the game. So uh, great to see the Pacers though get this victory, much needed. And I believe Chris Denary said like they're seven and two and they score over 130 points. So that's pretty solid. Um, that might be a trivia question for the future to figure out who those oh, two might losses be. were against. I know one was Toronto, but I can't think of the other. Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, no. no. It's a tough one. I, I'm trying to think. I know the Toronto game they lost. Maybe it was the other Philly game. I got the schedule up right in front of me. Okay. Um, walk scoring 130 and losing. We've done it twice. Yeah, this I, I see. Oh, oh, Miami, Miami. We lost Miami. 142 to 132. Okay. So there we go. I would not have known. That that. Was, I knew yeah. it was the Raptors. <laughs> we got a lot of losses scoring like 127. And 126, yes, and, and things like that. But in terms of uh, 130 plus, yeah, no, that, that's just two: Toronto and Miami. Okay, there you go. That's going to be a trivia question for the future listeners. So mark that one down. I mean, Kristen Airy just dropping facts on the um, on the broadcast. I always appreciate that. But Fach, I think this is going to wrap it up for us today. Recapping this win, obviously, just a great bounce back up from the Pacers. Love to see it, and glad we can actually talk about a win for once because. I didn't feel like going on a rant about why they're losing. I'm, I'm tired of it. This pod would have been 110% different if we lose this game. There would have been this like negative cloud right above us, and everything would have been like, do you trade? You know, do you have to trade this guy? We got to bring in help. You know, when is this guy going to get out of the slump? I'm happy we can just breathe. We can sleep like a baby. We can, we can have a little pep in the step. Not too much pep because it is a Charlotte Hornets team without two of their starters. But enough to be able to hold our head high and say, why can't we go into Memphis and pick up a win? Totally understand. Why not, Fachi? You know, the force is with us still. The force is still with us. Why not? That is the golden question. Now, Alex, tee it on up. Let's get out of here. Tell the people where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PatriotsPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at 
Pacers Pod STP. You can find us on Facebook, Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they could check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast where you can find all of our latest video content. And if you haven't already, please leave us a five-star rating review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I know we were three reviews away from getting to 325 for the year. So please, if you haven't done that, go over there and leave us a five-star rating and review Vachi. But if you're excited for the Pacers to get back on their winning ways, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.